enter into the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. There's going to be shouting on the streets of glory. Hallelujah. You'll find me shouting on the streets of glory. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Praise God. I love to sing about heaven. Hallelujah. I love to sing about where we're going. Amen. Praise God. And we know it was the blood. Amen. How many are thankful for the cross that purchased the power of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Hallelujah. Thankful for a Savior. Hallelujah. I said, I'm thankful for a Savior. Salvation wasn't an afterthought. The church wasn't an afterthought. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe it's Titus, the first chapter, the second verse. Hallelujah. Amen. Where Paul starts that letter and he says, uh, Hallelujah. Amen. In hope of eternal life. I said, in hope of eternal life. That's why we come to church. In hope of eternal life. This is the shortest life you're going to live. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. In hope of eternal life that God cannot lie. Promised before the world began. That doesn't sound like it's just an afterthought about the church. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Matter of fact, he saw the Garden City Church shouting before him. Hallelujah. If you'll believe that, the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I like to think about that. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Uh, God knows where we're at. God knows where he's taken us. Hallelujah. Amen. And we are a blessed people through the power of the gospel. Hallelujah. Well, how many are thankful that God loves Garden City to send, hallelujah, Elder Buxton, hallelujah, our way. Hallelujah. Amen. For a whole week. Amen. And we had church this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to have church tonight. Not matter, not worry, we are having church tonight. And let me tell you, you just need to lay your pride down a little bit. Pride goes before destruction, before honorous humility. If you'll humble yourself and pray. I said, if you'll humble yourself and praise him right now. Come on, somebody. You can get more from God when you humble yourself. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And the elder talked about this morning. Hallelujah. And it just come to my mind on the way to church. Hallelujah. Amen. About, amen, resist the devil. He'll run. He'll run while you're still walking with God. He'll be in your rear view mirror. Come on. All you got to do is just Fight back a little bit and say, get out of my face, devil. Get behind me. Come on, somebody. And keep walking with God. Keep shouting. Keep your shout. No matter what you go through, don't let the devil know that it's affecting you one minute. God will give you that much victory. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Amen. Hallelujah. If you will draw nigh to God, you'll take that step. God will. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a doctrine. I said, that's a teaching. We're waiting on heaven to touch us. If any two agree on earth as touching anything in heaven. He said, I'm waiting on somebody on earth to reach up and say, God. I was saying, I'm going to turn this over. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you, amen, God is going to do great things in these last days. Do I have a witness? He's already done great things for your life. But when God starts using triple adjective to describe his promises, something big is coming. Exceeding, great, and precious. Everyone won't say exceeding, great, and precious promises. That by these you might be made partakers of the divine nature. That means you're going to be made partaker of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is going to walk in you. He's going to pray through you. He's going to shout with you when you don't feel like shouting. Come on, it's God which works in you. Both to will and to do His good pleasure. We ought to give God the glory. Exceeding great. Precious promises. Hallelujah. Amen. And we have, hallelujah, one of the greatest apostolic ministers of this end time. Bar none. And I'm so thankful that, uh, amen, pastor, elder, amen, he pastored for many years in San Diego, Chula Vista. Hallelujah. Amen. Been to his church. It's a revival church. It's a shouting church. It's a tongue-talking church. It's a Jesus-name baptizing church. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're not shouting, amen, you're going to look out of place in that church. Hallelujah. Amen. But we are so blessed to have not only the elder but his wife with us. Where is sister? There she is, sister. Sister Mimi Buxton. Hallelujah. What a precious... First lady that has stood beside this man of God for 46 years. 46 years. Hallelujah. Amen. And we are, we are just tremendously excited about what God is doing. Hallelujah. Amen. Through this man. And uh, I got to see a service over there. What was the name of that city? McCollin. I mean, from the front to the back, as far as you could see, people jumping, shouting, talking in tongues. In the sanctuary. Come on. My question is, are we going to let the Philippines out shout us when we got the same Jesus? Come on, somebody. Is this the same God? Come on. God is not a respecter of persons or a respecter of hemisphere. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. God just wanted me to tell you that. Hallelujah. Amen. Elder Buxton, we want you to come. Hallelujah. If you want your, amen, precious wife to testify. Come on, sister. Hallelujah. Sister, sister Buxton, come on up here. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap of praise and let's thank God for this precious woman. Hallelujah. Prayer work. God bless you, sister. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be in the house of God. God is the same anywhere in the world. And you have a great big family all over this world. But I'm especially happy to be here with our dear friends and this beautiful church. And I, I love to come here because you guys are on fire. Who wants to go to a dead church? <laughs> right, buddy? <laughs> and you know what? I was just sitting here thinking, I'm going to heaven. To me, there's not another option. And what in this world even compares? Think of the greatest thing that you could have here on this earth, and it's just temporal. It's going to pass away. But heaven is forever. And so whatever it takes for me to get there, I'm going. That's my choice. <laughs> I'm pro-choice. I choose life. I choose heaven. I choose Jesus. I want to be like him. <laughs> when I get up in the morning I choose my attitude don't blame nobody else <laughs> that's my choice I, I, I decided I'm enjoy the journey do we have to deal with life of course everybody does nobody's exempt from dealing with life down here on this earth but when you are filled with the Holy Ghost God in us that's what makes the difference. And you stay full of it and not full of yourself. That's what makes the difference. God bless you. I love you. Not ashamed of the gospel. That that little clip that I showed your pastor is the church in Bacolod, which is in the southern part of the Philippines. It's a little over seven thousand four hundred and eighty something islands at high tide. Low tide, there's more, but they count them at high tide. And, and that is on the island of Negros, which is Negros Oriental and Negros Occidental. It's the only island in the Philippines that in the north there are some indigenous people that speak Spanish. Their Spanish is a little bit different than our Spanish, but... You can understand them. But in the north, or pardon me, in the south, in Bacolod, that service I showed you, there's about a thousand people upstairs, and there's a thousand people downstairs. And every other night they rotate. And so who was downstairs last night gets to be upstairs tonight. The building is not big enough. That is an, one of our national conferences. And so they have to... They have to rotate uh, and it, it, 
the floor gets to bouncing and God gets to moving. And I've been after your pastor and his wife for probably 7,500 years or something like that, or somewhere around there. He mentioned I've been married 46 years. I don't remember being single. I've been married all my life, and if I'd have known it was this good, I'd have got married at five, you know. I see some of y'all looking cross-eyed right now. We'll, we'll take care of that Tuesday. <laughs> Amen. God's been so good to us. So good to us. We now have about 400 churches in the Philippines. It's powerful. Um, if, I, if I can just say a couple things. Uh, my wife and I aren't ones to blow our whistle, but during COVID, during COVID, I used, um, what's that, Zoom. I used Zoom to teach a group of preachers in, in South Korea that had contacted us. And so, so during, during COVID, uh, which was like, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, it seems like, and, and, um, over Zoom, even sometimes, don't shoot me, but sometimes driving down the road, my wife's holding the phone, I'm teaching, driving, you, you got to do, man's got to do what a man's got to do, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and anyhow, uh, earlier this year, they invited us, they invited us to come to Seoul, South Korea, and we had three nights, two nights. We had two nights of what they called apostolic convention. And I preached through two different interpreters. The first night, the man quit. He said, you're going too fast. Slow down. I said, you've got to tell God to slow it down. I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. The next night, another interpreter. But we had many, many, many South Koreans receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speaking with other tongues. Powerful. Powerful, powerful. And um, also this year, a dream of ours has come to fruition. We were able to have the first Pacific Rim Summit. And so in our headquarters in Tagbilar and Bahol, we had nine different nations represented. It was only for pastors and pastors' wives. We packed the place out, and the Holy Ghost fell in a powerful way. Just a powerful way. Great things are happening. Great things are happening. And I, I say that because this church has played a big part in helping my wife and I. Um, the offering that you have given us for missions, 150% of that went to the mission. And it enables us to do the will of God and the work of God. So I say thank you to Garden City, the Apostolic Church. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And while we are here, if any of you want to see any of those pictures, etc., 
if you would see my wife or myself, we'll be we'll be happy we'll be happy to share stuff with you until you get bored with it. But let, let me tell one quick little story, and Pastor mentioned a little bit of it this morning. But Pastor Abriel, they are the indigenous people of the Philippines. You have to understand that Philippines were conquered by Spain, if you know any of your history. And the Spaniard who intermarried with the indigenous people um, produced the Filipino. But today, still in all the mountainous regions, the, 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 we call them Ati or the mountain people. They are the indigenous people of the Philippines. Very, I am a very tall man. Very tall man with the indigenous. They're about to my and Pastor Abriel, this is a beautiful, beautiful family, one to God, received the Holy Ghost, felt a call of God to preach. And the problem was he couldn't read. And so he would have people read him the Bible. He would commit it to, to memory. He'd go to the public in jeepney stations or the markets, and he would preach. He would preach from memory, quote scripture from memory. But he wanted to read so bad he went on a fast. And this is what he told God. He said, God, I will not eat until I can read your word. And the evening of the twelfth day, he could read like he'd always read. Now, not only that, not only did God do a great, great, great miracle. And my wife and I have, we have all of that documented on our phones if you want to see it after church. But... But not only did God do that, but the government, the Philippine government, was so impacted by Pastor and Sister Abriel that they now financially sponsor them to preach to all of the mountainous people in the Philippines. So don't tell me that God can't do it. God can do it. I said God can do it. He just, and He is doing it. He is doing it. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. During, during COVID, we were not able to be in the Philippines for two and a half years. The government wouldn't let us fly. And we were in the midst of trying to finish up our headquarters there in Tagbilar and Bahol. But in the midst of in the midst of all of the quote-unquote lockdown, the young people of our headquarters church went to the streets, had unbelievable revival. These young people came, got the Holy Ghost, went back home, brought their parents, and before we could even dedicate the building, they had outgrown the building. Well, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. And I, I, I'm sincere when I tell you a massive thank you to Pastor and Sister Charles for, and their family for their kindness in our life. We really are more family than we are friends and acquaintances, and it's always a highlight.
for my wife and I when we know we get to come to Garden City and be with the precious people of God. Thank you for every meal. For I mean, they brought us a basket. I, we could feed everybody. Well, I don't think we feed everybody here tonight because some of y'all are blessed. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know. Yeah. But man, man, has it been a good time, and looking forward to a to a good week. I, I'm always nervous when I feel as comfortable as I feel right now. I'm a little bit of a fear to myself, and and uh, you you know. Man, there's so much I want to say, but I just want to say this. You better never lose the awe of the kingdom. Don't allow life to dull the star. Don't allow life to... to to put mud all over the front of your shoes. Don't lose your laugh and your wonder and the excitement of living for God. Come on. God's filled us with the Holy Ghost. But He didn't take away my personality. He didn't take away my laughter and my joy and my, my wonder and my... Come on. Some of y'all need to learn how to smile in this thing called living for God. It's a great life. I mean, it's a great life. It's a great life. Don't feel sorry for me because I live for God. Don't feel sorry for me because I'm apostolic. Don't have pity on me, baby. This is the best life in the world. The best life. And uh, I know people are saying this today, but it's true in the church. I'm living my best life. And then we get heaven. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. My, my, my. My. My, my, my. My, 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 my. Come on, you ought to thank Him for the Holy Ghost. Thank Him that He washed you. Thank Him. Thank Him for redemption. Thank Him for hope. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I told your pastor today, I said, I'm, I'm going to preach the second part of what I preached this morning because there's, there's a flip to this. So if you have your Bibles, turn to me the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Sister Charles, I'm glad God raised you from the dead, and you're back in church with us here tonight. I miss you. It's never the same when she's not here. And uh, Jesus, have mercy. So glad she's here. Hey, turn to somebody and give them a good smile. Say, man, you look good in that smile. You look good in that smile. Jesus, good in that smile. And it's good to see my buddy back from this morning. I love you, man. 
God is loving on you this morning. Daniel chapter number 3. And I'm going to begin in verse 19, and I'm just going to kind of jump around. There's a lot here, but I'm not going to preach it all. The Bible says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. Now, in 2023, that means he was ticked off. He was mad. He was angry. He was upset. Don't raise your hand. But there's men in this house that know when someone you love gets full of fury. And there's women in this house that know when someone you love gets full of fury. They're full of fury. Not just a little bit upset. Full of fury. Ticked. I hope that's legal language. And, and the form of his visage was changed. The first when we first got married, we first married, I can remember this very well. I remember the very first time I really got mad at my wife. I was mad. Don't ask me what. I don't remember. But I was so mad. And what? The form of my visage was changed. And she started laughing. I said, what's so funny? She said, your face. I've never seen you look like this before. I wasn't mad anymore. It was just, you know, I don't even remember. It was probably something she had done. But now I'm joking, you know. But King Nebuchadnezzar was so mad that he got twisted visibly. And he, he, his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, the scripture says that he commanded, he commanded the keepers of the furnace that they should heat it. Check this out. I don't get this, but maybe y'all can explain it to me. He said, you heat it seven times hotter than it was want to be hotted or heated hotted heated hotted now we walked out the door getting ready to come to church and I opened up the door to the blast furnace I said Jesus help us people really live here I don't know I know what hot is but I don't know what seven times hotter than hot is. That's a degree that I don't ever want to experience. It was so hot. Seven times hotter than hot. That was hot. It was so hot that his henchmen grabbed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw him in the fire. And throwing them into the fire, the henchmen 
were consumed. Now, I'm not a scientist, so this doesn't sound very scientific, but it was showing up hot. And he threw them down. The Bible says they fell down bound. They weren't just in the furnace. They were bound. They weren't just bound. They were down. Bound and down. Cooking in a furnace. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound. And in the midst of the burning fiery furnace, then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, true, O king. Look at verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking. This is the flip to this morning. I see four men loose, walking in the midst, in the middle of their mess. And that fourth one looks like the Son of God. So with the help of God, and if you help me, it's not going to take long to preach this. But I want to preach about the miracle of the middle. Not the miracle when it's over. Not the miracle after you've gone through it. Not the miracle when he said, well done. Not the miracle after you. I want to talk about the miracle in the middle. In the middle of your problem, in the middle of your trouble, in the middle of your trial, in the midst of the furnace. Now lift your hands, let's pray. Come on, ask God to help you. Ask Him to help you. Come on, let's pray. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. You may be seated. Now, Jesus, help me. This isn't profound, but it's very needful for me to state this. That before we can come out of anything, we first of all have to go in it. Are you with me? Yes. In fact, in fact, this evening, 
when you pulled up on this parking lot before you could get out of your car, you had to get out of something that previously you got into. In the morning when we roll out of the rack and the devil's in the phone booth hitting 911 because we got up again, we're going to get out of a bed that we're going to get into tonight. Believe that I could safely preach to you that one of the greatest things about living for God is the joy that we have in coming out of situations and, and issues. We are, we are made an overcomer by the words of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. It is a two-part two part compound right there that God does what He did, but then we testify about what God did. That's a part of our apostolic culture. I believe that I can safely preach tonight that, that being delivered, being set free, being loosed from the enemy, and being loosed from the grip of sin is the majority of everything that we talk about, pray about, worship about, and sing about. As an apostolic, we excel. We excel, we excel in, in letting the world know that you don't know like I know what he has done for me. You, you don't understand what really is going on inside of our spirit when we want to stand and say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. It is, it is something that, that is a part of our nature. That is why, as an apostolic, we have a corner on celebrating the fact that he devil thought he had me, but God, God turned it all around. That is why when we walk into the house of God, we can have tears running down our face and a smile simultaneously because we remember where he, we were when he found me. And we understand the shackles that he took off of us. We, we, live, we live that like, like nobody. That, that's our anthem. That's our melody. Amen. Amen. People get up and sing and they sing about, I've been delivered. They sing about, my heart was distressed. My sin was pushing me down. We, we, sing about, we sing about my back was against the wall, but, but God heard my prayer. It, it's something, it's something I, I, I heard him singing tonight. There's a city whose streets are paved with gold. We sing that while we drive on asphalt and dirt and gravel because in our spirit we know there is a better day coming. That's why the writer wrote that if I had hope in this life only, I would be of all men most miserable. But you and I understand there's a better day coming. There's another country that's got my citizenship somewhere else. We testify about coming out of trials and 
We testify about coming out of situations and, 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 and ugliness. I mean, I don't know the last time I heard a choir get up and sing and sing, you know, on a Sunday night. Oh, I'm about to go through hell on earth tonight. The devil's after me, bless his holy name. Don't do that. We'll have people go up and sing a solo and say, you know, everything was going good until I woke up. <laughs> that don't happen. That's, that's not our culture. It's not our culture. Our, our culture is, our culture is that devil was after me, but God reached to me. Our culture was drugs was trying to kill me, and alcohol was trying to drown me. But I found the God that loved me more than I could love myself. That's who we are. That's our culture. We don't, we, don't, we don't stand and testify and share to one another. Man, you don't know how rough it's been. You don't know how ugly it's been. You don't, you don't know how bad it's been. You don't know how broke I am. You don't know, you know. It's not what we do. We, we come walking in here with a grin on our face even when we're sick. We come walking in here with a grin on our face even when we're in trouble. Because we know there's a God that knows the end from the beginning. And he knows where I am, and I'm in the palm of his hand. That's why people look at us a little funny sometimes and narrow down their nose. And why in the world are you so happy? I'm going to tell you why I'm happy. Because I serve a God that knows the end from the beginning. He, he's, not, he's not handicapped. He's not handcuffed. He's not in trouble. The church is not in trouble. I may be in a mess right now, but I'm not going to stay in a mess right now because I'm walking out of my mess. I, 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 I just, I just, oh Jesus, you got to help me tonight, Lord. Because I want to, I want to pull the cover off the devil. I felt this morning, I felt it all day long, I felt it tonight. I want to I wanna make sure that we can uncover his lies. Because there's good men and good women and good young people in this tabernacle here tonight that have a desire to do the work of God, have a desire to be used of God, but, but you find yourself in trouble. I want to preach about that tonight. When I was reading my Bible the other day, I... I thought, and I even, I said this out loud to God. He didn't say nothing back to me, thank God, but anyhow. I was reading Psalm 34 and 19, and I thought, if I was writing this Bible, I wouldn't write it this way. I wouldn't put that in there, because I don't like that. I would write it a little bit different. But in Psalm 34 and 19, David said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. I was reading that scripture, and I said, God, why didn't you have the writer say, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them from them all. But the Bible doesn't read that way. The Bible does not say that the righteous are going to be delivered from their trouble. It says the righteous 
is going to be delivered out of their trouble. I'm going to preach to somebody tonight that the Bible gives me hope that I can be as righteous as I can possibly be, but I'm going to have a lot of affliction. But the Bible also says that in the midst of my affliction, God's going to deliver me out of every struggle, out of every problem, out of every situation, out of every struggle, out of every lie. Out of every demon, I'm going to preach to somebody tonight. I've come to learn this about God, that God loves to do his work in the middle of my mess and in the middle of my struggle. That's where the strength of God comes. Oh, clap your hands with me right now to him. Hallelujah. Righteous are not exempted from their trouble. They are delivered of the world. The world is trying to steal one of our lines. The world's having coming out party. But the church is going to have a coming out party tonight. I'm coming out of depression. I'm coming out of fear. I'm coming out of intimidation. I'm coming out of a struggle. I'm coming out of problem. I'm coming out of this and I'm coming out of that because the righteous uh, have many afflictions, uh, but God delivers us out uh, of every one of our struggles. Not from them. Let me ask you a little question. What would have happened if Jesus would have answered Mary and Martha's request? When Lazarus was sick, nobody would have ever known. Nobody would have ever heard. It would have just been another day. God healed him. God took care of him. But God in his wisdom knew, if I do that, the only one that's going to know my glory is Lazarus. The only one that's going to know my glory is Martha and Mary. And so in the wisdom I'm preaching right now, in the wisdom of God, God did not ignore them, neither is he ignoring you. God did not turn a deaf ear to their prayer, neither has God turned a deaf ear to yours. God knew that my glory needs to be manifest, and my glory needs to be seen. And so he waited. He waited till the family started wagging their tongue against you. He waited till the neighbors started wagging their tongue against you. He waited till everybody started saying, where's your God? I thought he loved you. I thought he heard you. He waited until he died. He waited until he was buried. He waited until he started stinking. He waited until he started dying and decomposing. He waited till everybody knew after four days. Even Jewish tradition knows that the spirits returned back to God. He waited and then he showed up. He waited and then in a sticking stinking, messy, ugly situation. God said, come on, Lazarus. Get out of the grave. I'm not going to raise you from a sick bed. I'm going to deliver you out. 
I'm preaching to somebody tonight that's in a stinking situation. I'm preaching to somebody tonight whose family's wagging their tongue. I'm preaching to somebody tonight that the world's looking on, saying, where's your God? I'm going to tell you where he is. He's waiting till everybody's focused on a sealed tomb. And then here comes Jesus. The afflictions of the righteous are many, but the Lord delivereth him out. Not from them. Out of them. God, if you love me, why didn't you keep me from this? Because I wanted to get you out of it. I wanted to send a message to the devil. Would you think it's a... Would you think it's curtains? When it's a stinking mess. Am I preaching yet? Now, let's look at this. The righteous are never delivered from their trouble. We're always delivered out of it. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. For a great door and effectual. You let me preach to this church tonight. I'm trying to keep my emotions together. Man, I feel this deep in my spirit. God said for a great door and effectual. Effectual, if you look into the original language, it means an active portal. It, it lends itself to the dream of Jacob. When he lay upon a rock for a pillow, and the heavens, a great door, and effectual, an active portal. You let me preach to you. God said it's not just a great door, it's an active portal. It's not just a great door to this city, but it is an open portal from the ethereal to the heavenly, from the earthly to the spiritual. It's not just a door of revival. It's not just a door of good times. It's not just a door of blessings. But it is an open active portal of the things of the Spirit. It is a supernatural visitation. I'm preaching to you right now. It's not just another season of revival. But it's a day of the supernatural. It is a time for signs and wonders. It's a great door and effectual is open unto me. But there are many adversaries. You let me preach to you right now. There's no way that the hand of God is placed upon a church like the hand of God is placed upon this church. It's not enough that the things of the Spirit have been opened unto you. You've got to understand that part of that package is that the devil is going to fight you. The devil's going to lie. The devil's going to roar. The devil's going to stir up as much trouble as he can. And then he's going to tell you, if this is really God, how come there's such trouble? I've come to preach to you why because with an open door there's a lot of adversaries but I've got to remind somebody tonight that many are the adversary of the righteous but the Lord delivers them out of them all 
Oh, come on, let's praise him together. Praise him with me. David, David said, David, the man after God's own heart, David, the sweet psalmist, David, the king of Israel, David, David said, but as for me, I know I'm coming at you different tonight, but hold on, we're going to get there. But as for me, I know everybody up there is dancing. I know everybody up there is shouting, but as for me. I know everybody's got victory, but as for me. I know everybody's living a blessed life, but as for me, David said, my feet, my foot, my, that, my, 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 my vehicle to get me from here to there. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He said, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. I am preaching to somebody tonight who has struggled in their walk. I am preaching to people tonight that have struggled in their stand. I am preaching tonight. I'm preaching adversary back to hell tonight that's tried to get into your brain and get into your mind and get into your spirit and tell you you're not what you say you are. I've come to tell you you are who you say you are. It's a part of being righteous. It's a part of living for God. Many, many are the adverse, many are the afflictions of the righteous. We don't preach about this. We don't like to talk about this. But the Lord delivereth them out. Can I remind you tonight? Remind you that the lame man would never got his healing until he stepped in the troubled waters. You let me preach to you tonight that the church is going out. But in order for you and I to be a part of that de departure, we have got to know where we are. Amen. We've got to have the spirit of the sons of Issachar. We have to have an understanding of the times. We have to understand that hell hates me. You've got to get it in your mind that the devil despises you. You've got to get it in your spirit uh, that hell wants me to fail. And demonic spirits, the adversaries, uh, are wanting to silence me and take away my worship and take away my praise. Uh, I'm going to preach to you tonight. Uh, part of the anointing of the Holy Ghost uh, is power over sin and over diseases and over sicknesses. Uh, I'm going to preach to somebody here tonight uh, that living for God is not a uh, a walk uh, with cupcakes on your side. Uh, living for God is not Sunday every day. Some days it's tough uh, just to throw your leg out of bed. Uh, some days it's tough uh, just to believe that he hears you when it seems like your prayer bounces uh, off the ceiling. But I'm going to tell you tonight uh, that's part of the righteous walk. Uh, it's part of an understanding uh, that as much as hell hates me, God loves me more and God trusts me more and God's going to help me and he's going to deliver me out of my struggle. Come on, clap your hands with me to him.
We don't have time to walk the fence. We don't have time to argue about positions and opinions. We don't have time to bicker and be bitter. We don't have time to fuss and fight. We've only got time to be the church. Can I talk to you tonight? We got to learn how to worship when we're hurting. We got to learn how to worship with a bloody nose and a swollen eye. We got to learn how to worship when hell has beat us up. But we made it back to the house of God and say, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers me out of them all. I'm going to preach to you tonight. The greatest praise is not that God spared me, the greatest praise is the devil thought he had me. I was gone down for the last time, but God heard my prayer. Somebody came to my side. Somebody came to my rescue. In our text, the only way those three boys got out of the furnace is they first of all had to go in it. There's, there's joy coming out. But there's fear going in. I remember, I remember a few years ago a few years ago when we we bought the campus that we're, our church is on today, and y'all pray for us. My son told me the last two Sundays have been standing room only. They got close to 100 chairs in the foyer. When we, when we bought that property, we didn't have any money. We, we had nothing. I'll just be very honest with you. I don't think we could have scraped up $5,000 because we had a revival of tweakers. We didn't have cars in our parking lot. We had bicycles. I'm not joking. I'm telling you the God's truth. And, and I said, God, I don't care who they are. I don't care if they can walk, talk. If they, as long as they're breathing, send them. We'll love them. We'll embrace them. We started loving everybody that nobody wanted. And God started giving us everybody that everybody wanted. <laughs> and I remember we filled up that little, that, that sanctuary wasn't near as big as this sanctuary. Maybe half, maybe split the middle of the, that's how big. We started having revival, such revival that we were smoking in there, no air conditioning, had a little video building. If the termites would have quit holding hands, it would have fallen down. It's pitiful. We'd open up the windows. We got sued by the city. They took us to court because of noise. Our neighbors would throw rocks through the windows, literally with notes wrapped around a rock and a rubber band. Baby, am I telling the truth? Said, if you don't shut up, we're going to burn you down. We're going to run you out of town. 
the police would come in in the middle of the night or in the middle of the service and tell me to turn off the PA. I said, I'm sorry, I got I got my I got my constitutional rights. This is free speech, baby. They took us to court. It was a big televised thing. They had high high powered attorneys. I didn't have an attorney. We didn't have enough money to hire an attorney. I went myself. I showed up in the courtroom. There's televisions were there and it's a big deal in the news and and my neighbors were over here with a with with all of their attorneys and they were talking about how they were gonna shut us down and run us out of town and and I'm sitting there by myself. I told the church, y'all pray. I'll let you know how it goes. I sat down. A man come sat down in front of me. Sat down in front of me. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And a few minutes later, another man sat down next to him and said, what, how come you're here tonight? He said, I'm here because the, the, I hear there's a church. That the preacher beats a drum and takes everybody's money. And I want to, number one, I didn't have a drum. <laughs> but number two, I'd take the money. <laughs> so I just sat there. I wanted to say something, but I, I knew I'm going to mess it up. And I sat there and I sat there and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about lawyers' fees. I'm thinking about what's it going to do to the city? What's it going to do to evangelism? What's, what's it going to do? And, we don't have nothing, and sitting there, and the judge called for the the the, uh, uh, the 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 party that was suing and their attorneys to come and present their case, and 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 the judge spoke, and they were so embroiled in their conversation that they never heard the judge. And I sat there. I'm in it deep right now. Thinking, God, you could have kept me from all this mess. If you love me, how come you didn't keep me from it? If I'm doing the will of God, how come you didn't keep me from it? You let me get in it. I'm in it. And the judge called again. They were still embroiled in their conversation. I watched the gavels. I watched them go to another, another uh, uh, case. I was about to get up and leave. The Holy Ghost said, just don't move. Don't move. I got you. I got you. So I sat there and this one to jail and this one there and this one here and fines and, and on and on and on and on all night long. And finally he went through the docket. And the attorneys rose and said, may we approach? And said, yes. And said, listen, we are here representing uh, the city of Chula Vista versus Hilltop Tabernacle, and and uh, we, uh, the judge said, "We'll tell you something. I called for you about two hours ago, and you didn't do nothing. I called again, and you didn't do nothing. That case is dismissed." I'm gonna preach to somebody. Some days it's going to seem like he doesn't hear you. 
Some days it's going to seem like he forgot you. Some days the devil's going to say, if he really loved you, how to come? He didn't keep you from this. But God doesn't do his best work in the beginning. God does his best work in the middle of your mess and says, I'm going to deliver you out of it all. I want to preach to somebody tonight. It's the going in that scares us. I'm preaching this church tonight. God wants this church to step into something. Something that you've never been in. Something that you've never walked in. Because he's going to bring glory out of it. And the adversary is going to get in your brain and say... But how? We filled up that building, Pastor. Filled it up. But you have to understand, when I tell you it was a revival of tweakers, it was a revival of tweakers. We had one sister, Sister Mary Ann. <laughs> Y'all don't know what a hoopty is, but I was born in L.A. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a hood rat from way back. We drive hoopties in the hood. She didn't even have a seat, front seat. She sat on a milk cart, milk crate, milk crate. <laughs> you talk about rolling dirty. <laughs> Had a do-rag on. We'd see her in town. Hey, Sister Marianne, woo! you see that little fist coming out that window. Woo, ain't God good? I said, you good, baby, you good. We had revival. God started filling up the church. Can I preach to you? We were going through everything unimaginable. We were fighting hell every single day. But one Sunday night, the bus, the city buses started stopping in the front of the church. And out of the bus started coming people. And they started getting the Holy Ghost every single Sunday night the bus would stop. It wasn't a bus stop. The bus would stop. And month after month and the church grew. We were full. We had to expand until one Sunday night here come the bus driver. And he walked in and he sat over there and God filled him with the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. I am preaching to you. The devil wants to shut you down. The adversary wants to put fear in your spirit. But trust God. When you got to walk through the dark, trust God. When you got to walk through the struggle, trust God. Because God will deliver you out. Finally, finally we had to get another, we had to get another church. I don't know what to do. We didn't have no money. When I say we didn't have no money, I'm not talking about people like you that say you don't have no money. You got more money in your front pocket than, than I do. We didn't have no money. I got a call one night. My wife and I was in Office Depot buying a printer, buying a printer to print pictures of our grandbaby. This grandbaby was born. I wanted to be able to print them out because I knew everybody in the world wanted to see my grandbaby. <laughs> my phone rang. And on the other end of the phone was 
Laura Correa. She said, Pastor, this is Laura. I said, hey. She said, are you sitting down? I said, I can take it standing up. Talk to me. <laughs> she said, you know that big church you've been praying for? I said, yeah. Now, for two years, I joined a church in Chula Vista. A Trinitarian church. Sat in the back. They called me Brother Steve. Hey, Brother Steve's back. Hey, praise the Lord. How are you? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. <laughs> I would cry, I'd sit in there and cry, thinking, God, this place is huge. 60,000 square feet on this campus. They're preaching false doctrine. I need this building. And she called me. I remember, I, I mentioned this to you before, but I, I, there's a point I want to make. She said, they want to sell it. I said, good, we want to buy it. She said, no, you don't understand. They want to sell it tonight. I said, I want to buy it tonight. Only problem is I ain't got no money. She said, can you meet at my office at 9 o'clock? I said, sure. And my wife and I, we met at an office at 9 o'clock. And here's their attorneys, the bishop from Brazil, all these pastors. And then there's Laura Correa, my wife and I. But Jesus was at the table. We made a deal. We made a deal for cash. I only needed about one and a half million dollars in 30 days. No problem. They said we want a 30-day escrow. No problem. No problem. You want it in 20s or 100s, baby. Just tell me how you want it. No problem. And we signed the deal at 9.30 at night. My wife said, what in the world are we going to do? I said, I don't know. It's God's problem now. And 30 days later, we had more than what we needed. I want to preach to somebody right now. You don't let the devil steal your joy when you've got to walk through struggles uh, that you've never been in. There is a way of escape. God's going to get the glory out of it all. Jesus, I got so much. That's my introduction. I, I got so much. I want, I want to tell you something. The greatest testimony is not that he brought you out. Stay with me. The greatest testimony is that he kept me when I was in the mess. Anybody can shout when the trial's over. 
Anybody can shout when all the ducks are in a row. Anybody can shout after the doctor says, I can't find nothing. Anybody can shout when you paid your bills. Anybody can shout when the choir singing and the party's happening but I want to preach to you I serve a God that doesn't have to wait till the party's over I serve a God that doesn't have to wait till all the ducks are in a row I want to preach about a God that shows up strong in the middle the pastor here, here's I'm getting to my message. When do you feel that David got his greatest revelation of God? I'm not putting you on the spot, but just subjectively. When do you think it was when David really got a revelation of who God was? Was it when he was anointed by the prophet? Was it at Ziklag? Was it when they begin to sing, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands? Was it when he assumed the throne? Was it when he held the scepter? Was it when he ripped the mouth of the bear and the lion? Was it, when was it? I don't know when it was, but I want to preach to you tonight what I felt. This is my message. Psalm 23 You can read it with me. David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, I'm establishing this fact that he is my shepherd. Because he is my shepherd, I will never have a want. Because he's my shepherd. He will take care of me because he's my shepherd. It doesn't matter what's going on. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. Read this with me. Verse 2 says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Look at 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Look at four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff They comfort me. Can I preach to you tonight that I believe the greatest moment of revelation that happened in David's life was not on top of a mountain. Can I preach a few more moments tonight uh, that David's understanding of the magnitude of God in him did not happen in the battle cry or in the victory cry. Can I preach to you tonight uh, it didn't happen when the choir was singing and when they were waving flags in Jerusalem. It didn't happen as he wore the scepter and wore the crown. But it happened in the deepest 
darkest, blackest, ugliest valley that he'd ever been in. It happened when he was walking in the very valley of the shadow of death. The wings of death were covering him. The depth of the valley was unimaginable. He had no body with him. He had no choir with him. His pastor was not with him, but God was with him. And he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Watch this. Look at verse 5. Here's my message. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Preach tonight. This is my message to this church that David's greatest revelation of God and him happened in the loneliest, the most fearful, the darkest, the deepest valley of his life. It wasn't just a valley. It was the valley of the shadow of death. It was a valley when death was hovering. The buzzards of the spirit were ready to pick clean his bones. The buzzards of death were ready to celebrate his demise. All David was doing, oh God, was putting one foot in front of another. He's not jumping. He's not running. He's not leaping, but walking through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, kicking up dust. Uh, it's not rained in a long time. There's nothing green and pretty. But David took one step, uh, and that one step led to another. And that next step, uh, he turned a corner. And there in the valley floor, he stumbled upon a table, a prepared table. I'm preaching right now. God knew David. Uh, you don't need this when you get through this struggle. You don't need this when you get out of it. But you're going to need it in the depths of this valley. And so God said, I am going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Watch this. It was in the depth of a valley that he got a fresh anointing. It was in the depths of a valley that his cup ran over. It's in the depth of the valley that he got revelation. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Preaching to somebody tonight, and I wish I knew who you were so I could go look at you. But I want to tell you, God's not forgotten you. He's been working on a table for you. He's preparing peace. He's preparing a fresh anointing. He's preparing a cup that's going to overflow. He's going to prepare fresh revelation that's surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God didn't wait till he made it. God met him.
Anybody can celebrate once you get through it. Anybody can celebrate at the end of it. Anybody can celebrate. Everybody will shout with you. But I'm praying, I'm preaching to somebody right now who's in the middle of the valley, the shadow of death. I've come to preach to you in case you wonder where he is. He's right around the corner, but he's been working on a table that's got your name on. God's not forgot you. God's not ignored you. God's not shut his ears. God's not shut up heaven like brass. God's been working. He's working on a brand new anointing. He's working on brand new mercy. He's working on a brand new calling. He's working on a brand new touch. He's not going to just touch you. Your cup's going to run over. He's not just going to do this in church. He's going to do this in the presence of your enemies. Your enemies that said, where's their God? I thought God loved her. I thought God, he does. He's just been working on my table. And so they were thrown into the fire. Bound thrown down, heated seven times hotter than hot. And King Nebi, the next morning, said, hey, 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 how many did we throw in there? The three? You sure? I'm sure, King. We threw three in there. <laughs> King said, Lo, I see four. I don't just see four. I see four men loose. I don't just see four men loose. I see four men loose walking. In the, you ready? In the midst. I see four men walking in the midst of the most severe fiery trial of their life. I see four men walking in the midst of the biggest trouble they've ever been in. I see more men that were bound, that were thrown in their bound. I see four men that were knocked off their feet. I see four men in there, but they're loose and they're walking in the midst of the fire. I know what Shadrach looks like. I know what Meshach and Abednego looks like. But that fourth one. fourth one looks like the Son of God. If you read your Bible, Shadrach went in, but Shadrach came out. Meshach went in, but Meshach came out. Abednego went in, and Abednego came out. But it never says the fourth man ever came out of the middle. He sent a message to the world. Don't fear the devil, baby. I'm going to hang out right here in the middle. And I'm going to let you know when you're in the middle. You're not in the middle by yourself when you're in the middle. You're not in the middle alone when you're in the middle. And here's Israel coming out of Egypt 400 years 
out of bondage. And they get into the middle of the Red Sea and the walls are opened up on either side. And they start, they start hearing sounds of their past. What is that? It sounds like the chariot wheels of the Egyptians. Oh, my God. God, did you bring us out here to die? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? You know, let me preach. They were as close to Egypt as they were to Canaan. It was the same distance to go back as it was to go forward. But I want to talk to you about my Jesus. He does his best work in the middle. He said, come on, past. Come on, chase him. Go, go, go ahead, chase him. Go ahead, go ahead, chase him, chase him, chase him, chase him. Let, let your temptations chase you. Let your past chase you. Let addictions chase you. Let her, let him, come on, just bring him out to the middle. I do my best work in the middle. And when their past was screaming on their heels, God drew them to the middle. And then he pulled the plug. He was crucified in the middle. He's coming back in the middle. He did his miracles in the middle of the sea. He spoke to the wind in the middle of the storm. He spoke to the waves. I could go on and on and on and on and on. He does his best work in the middle. And I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're in the middle of it. But God's right there with you in the middle. Lift your hands. Come on all over this house. Let's love him. Come on, help me right now. You've wept enough tears at night. It's time to understand there's a table prepared for me. You've wept enough tears out of fear. There's a table. There's a table. Throw me in the fire. Somebody's already in the middle with me. The miracle of the meal barrel and the cruise of oil happened in the middle of the famine. Elijah was fed by the raven in the middle of the famine. The woman with the issue of blood passed through the crowd and she touched him in the middle of him going to heal Jairus' daughter. That's where the miracles always are. It's always in the middle. There's a, there's a family here tonight, a couple, that you're in the middle of. It doesn't, I don't care what it is, if it's finances, if it's your marriage, if it's your spiritual, I don't care what it is, it doesn't matter. I want you to get your wife or husband by the hand, I want you to come stand up here right now. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you're the only one. Who cares? God's going to do something for somebody tonight. You need a healing. You need God to break through for you financially. I, I, I just, I, I want you to come up here in front of God, the devil, and everybody. So I don't even care. I don't even care anymore. I don't even care. Anybody can shout when they got victory. Anybody can shout when it's over. Anybody can shout that God's answered the prayer. Anybody can shout when God's healed them. I'm preaching to people right now that's in the middle. Come on, 
preaching to you, God's been making you a table. Would you lift your hand and love him? He could have kept you from it, but he's going to deliver you in it. Come on, lift your hand to him right now. It doesn't matter who you are, what you're walking through, what you're struggling with right now. Come on, I'm preaching. There's a God in the middle right now. Come on, lift your voice. That's beautiful. Lift your voice. I'm preaching to you. He's there with you. He's in the middle with you. He's in the middle with you. This is where the meal barrel never runs dry. This is where the cruise of oil never gets empty. It's always in the middle. It's always in the middle. He does his best work in the middle. Come on, come on, come on, call on him, call on him. Call on him, call on him. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Come on, let him anoint your head with oil. Come on, let him anoint your head with oil tonight. In the middle of my mess, my cup's going to run over. In the middle of my mess, I'm going to get a brand new revelation that I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Valley's not deep enough. The night's not dark enough. The devil's not strong enough. Goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell. Dwell. 